Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Stationary Freaks with myself, Rob Lambert, and of course... Me, Helen Lizowski. I hope you're all doing safe and well. And in today's episode, myself and Helen are going to talk about personal knowledge management systems. It sounds geeky, it is, but we will get into it and we'll explain kind of how we do this and how, well, mostly it might be me explaining this because, Helen, I don't think you believe that you actually have a personal knowledge management system. Is that correct? I don't think I could spell personal knowledge management system, but yes, I agree. I I don't think I have one. I think I have tried to gather things together and it basically is the digital equivalent of that drawer in the kitchen where you shove everything and hope you never need to look for it again. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like some sort of system, but <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll explore that. I'll, I'll obviously, at some point during this podcast, we'll share the four steps to the knowledge management system. And I think from going on from this podcast, we will refer to it as PKMS because personal knowledge management system is quite a big word. Helen, you've got a system. You're... It's like a drawer. It's full of junk. It's full of stuff, but it's full of useful things, isn't it? Because those drawers, they're always, the thing you're looking for is always in that drawer, isn't it? Well, theoretically, everything I've ever put in that metaphorical drawer was useful at the time, or I thought it was going to be useful at the time, but I saved it. But I can never find it. Uh, There is no kind of uh, strategy or filing or even revision of it. And I suspect many of those are the reasons why. So I want you to talk to me about how you define what your personal knowledge management system is, because then I'll know if I've got one. (laughs) Okay, well, actually, this morning, I was doing the homeschooling with with the boys, uh, or remote learning, as some people prefer to call it. And my eldest son said, why can't life actually be a bit like the matrix, where when you're born, your sort of brain is preloaded with stuff so you don't have to go to school, which was basically the premise, his argument, which I thought was quite good. And it's, you know, quite a a really solid argument there. Obviously not possible. But as I said to him that actually, I think part of being a human and, and part of being us and alive and in this world is that we have the ability to learn. And I think it's a very human condition. What a personal knowledge management system is, is just a system that's very personal to you to enable you to, I guess, learn more effectively and learn more efficiently so that you can become smarter in the most effective way, if that makes sense. That's a sort of catch-all phrase for it. Does that resonate with you? It does a little bit because I understand that the whole, you know, knowing something because you've read it or whatever is not quite the same as understanding it, internalizing it and being able to use that information in the real world. So if you're not doing anything other than saving things into the metaphorical drawer, you're not you're not actually doing any of the, the learning part of it. You're just doing the acquiring, I guess. Absolutely. And actually, that leads on very nicely to, I guess, the core premise of this, certainly from my perspective, because if all we're going to do is just sort of capture everything I think is really what we're talking about here then that's really what the internet's for I mean you've only got to go on to you know Google and other search engines are available and type something and you've got the answer and actually that's a really interesting perspective uh, certainly when we're sort of coaching and teaching our kids is being able to do more than just search for something and for me the premise it falls into two different styles of learning and you'll probably resonate with this because we've worked together for a long time (laughs) The first one is what I call information acquisition, which is what you've just mentioned. It's reading stuff. It's uh, memorizing numbers and facts and dates and all sorts of stuff. 
and it's information. And I have to say that basically, until you've put that information into action, it's not knowledge. So knowledge is information in action. And that leads to the second part of this second style, which is what I call task acquisition, which is learning from doing the thing. I use the sort of any musical instrument as an example here. So if you're learning to, to play the drums, would you ever learn to play the drums, Helen? I do know my neighbor, next door neighbor plays the drums absolutely brilliantly. And he always comes and apologizes and I hope I didn't disturb you. And I'm always like, thank you so much. The drums next door is what I would have on as a soundtrack if I could choose. So yes, I don't have that kind of skill, but God, I'd love to learn to play the drums. I've told you a story I'm now about the, the drummer opposite me, who <laughs> during the summer, a couple of years back when he was, when he was still living at home, his yeah. parents had converted a garage into a drum studio, but he had the door open. So every time he was playing, it was basically wasn't soundproofed because the door was open. And it kept going on to like 11.30, midnight some nights. And I went across and kept asking him to shut the door or, you know, stop playing or whatever. And he just wouldn't. And then one night in a fit of rage after I was trying to get to sleep and there was this bang, bang, bang going on, I went over and uh, I said, next time that you do this, I will come over and do some freestyle rap <laughs> over the top of this. And it, it soon ended. It soon stopped. And uh, I think, you know, thankfully for both of us, that didn't happen. Anyway, getting back onto the topic. We so if we're, learning, if we're learning a musical instrument, my, all my boys are learning the drums. Now, if we look at the two styles of learning, there's the information acquisition. I mean, they could sit down and they could, they could watch videos of people doing drums. They could read the theory. They could learn how to read music. And it doesn't make them a better drummer at that point because they haven't picked up the drumsticks and done anything with it. It's just information. Now, equally, they could literally just sit at the drums, pick up the drumsticks and start bashing away and teach themselves how to play the drums, which a lot of people do. There's a lot of very, very successful self-taught musicians who haven't done the theory. Now, when you combine the two things together, I think that's when the best learning happens. But also, if you take away the information acquisition, imagine you're learning the drums, but you're being instructed and tutored and getting feedback from somebody who's excellent at playing the drums. That's a really good way to learn as well. So my preference always tends to be task acquisition, you know, learning from doing it. And when we've worked together, one of the things that we've always tried to do in the business is do pairing and sharing and all sorts of sort of, I guess, on the job training, because yeah. that's the best way to learn, isn't it? From working with somebody who's already really good at it. It's more fun as well, I'm sure. Personally, I think it's more fun to have a go at something with somebody who's perhaps much better than you, always learning from somebody. You're shortcutting your own learning. You will get better faster, I'm convinced. You know, we work in, in the IT world and we work in the field of consulting sometimes. And we work with people who have done nothing but information acquisition. And yeah. then with confidence, they spout that as something that they know. And it's not great for consultants, certainly not great for the companies that are paying these people, because what they haven't done is put it into practice. So I'm a big fan of reading lots of books and trying new things, but that's combining the two things together. So you've got information acquisition and then you've got task acquisition. Now, why does this play a part with a personal knowledge management system or a PKMS? Because the PKMS for me is designed to take that information and put it into action. And no doubt we'll talk about that in a minute. Does, does that sort of resonate? Does that sort of make sense? It does. So my, I kind of know 
what the, what we're talking about now you've given me the shape of that and I kind of understand why we need it because we all you know in my day-to-day life working with you as we know we know that we're better when we uh, get expert help and we combine that with our own learning so here's the thing that's really the nub of this talk here how on earth do you go about changing my draw of metaphorical draw of junk into something that works rob how how do i go about it well i'd suggest the first thing is you empty it out and start again <laughs> uh, and put things back carefully but um you know what it's the, there's a four stage process that i go through and we'll separate them out and we'll talk about each one in yes. turn uh, but just to give you the overall flavor of what it looks like and they all begin with c because i like the letter c and um, there is capture there's curate there's crunch and then there's contribute Now, for me, uh, my personal knowledge management system, and the key word here is personal, it's taken me a very, very long time to get to where I am with this system now. And because this is a stationary freaks podcast, it is a combination of uh, stationary and analog methods, plus digital tools. And we'll we'll talk about that and weave that in as we go through it. That's good, because that was going to be my next question. What, whether I use stationery? What stationery do you use for this? Can I go and buy a new notebook, please? Of course, there's always an excuse to buy a new notebook. Actually, on a side tangent, you know, we talk about notebooks a lot and I've got thousands of them, hundreds of them. Uh, Hopefully my wife's not listening to this podcast. But I've signed up for this uh, new course on a website called Domestica and it's how to sketch. And because it's about sketching, I obviously needed two new notepads. (laughs) One an A4 sketch pad and then one a little notepad. Obviously. Um, Yeah, of course. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, I thought I'd throw that in. Okay, so the first step is to capture it. And we've actually talked a little bit about this. There's so much information out there. Now, capture isn't just about sort of going online and capturing information. So websites, talks, that kind of stuff. It can come from anywhere. And this for me is a mixture of digital and analog. So let's pick a topic. Helen, shoot. What sort of topic of interest is interesting you recently? Uh, Gardening, because I'm about to start my veggie garden up again. Gardening. Wow, that's probably, it's a great topic, of course, and it's quite vast, obviously, but it's one that I really probably should invest a bit of time and energy in. Our garden looks awful. Anyway, okay, so you're interested in gardening. So the capture bit is about maybe you've bought a gardening book. So you're going to read the book and there'll be bits that stand out to you. So I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of highlighting stuff in books and scribbling in the margins and doing all that kind of stuff. You know, can we just do an aside here? I completely agree with you. And I have friends of mine who are horrified that you would deface a book with, do you know, it's not the book that's precious. It's what's in it that's precious. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. Sorry. I agree with you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so you've captured some stuff, you know, you've got some ideas, you've maybe even got a sheet of paper running alongside and you're writing stuff down. So that's a source of data. It's a source of information, but also maybe you've seen a YouTube video or actually maybe you've gone to a meetup, obviously outside pandemics. Uh, maybe you've gone to a talk. There are all these different sources of information from everywhere. And the key to a good PKMS is to have a system of capture. Now, because for me, these sources come from everywhere, ebooks, videos, you name it, everywhere. I have paper notes, I have digital stuff. So for me, this is where the uh, digital tool plays a massive part. And for me, that's Evernote. So that's my tool of choice. I know you've uh, sort of migrated a little bit away from it recently. No, no, that is my metaphorical uh, drawer in the kitchen full of junk. That, that's where I keep all my junk, Evernote. So everything ends up in Evernote. And I have a recurring task on my calendar, of course, Um, to process these notes. So what I do maybe every Sunday, I think it is at the moment, 
is I'll go through all my notebooks. I'll go through all my notes. I'll go through all of my Evernote inbox, which is where everything I've captured from the internet ends up. And that's the capture process. I just make sure everything ends up in the inbox in Evernote. So everything, photos, digital stuff, text snippings, I'll take pictures of it. And because I pay for the Evernote premium, you can also then scan images and it can pull out the text, which is very helpful. That's what I was going to say. Is this the one where you take photos of a notebook and it can sort of decipher your text for you? Uh, it, it doesn't sort of transcribe it. I've not found anything that does that. But what it does is it allows if you, you know, take a picture, I've got a notebook in front of me. And on there is to uh, do the video and blog for Tuesday for my other channel. So if I took a picture of that and then searched in Evernote for blog for Tuesday, it would find that note with that text in it, even though it's in a picture. Okay. So, yeah, it's super helpful for that, but it is the premium. And, you know, some people object to paying for that, of course. So that's the first stage is to capture information. Now, there's no point just capturing stuff because we could frankly just capture everything and end up with a drawer like yours. So <laughs> the next stage, which is probably where you are in your system, is to curate that information. Now, curation for me takes on two main aspects. One is the first question is, do I still want this piece of information? Because I don't know whether you're like me, but... I'll clip stuff all over because it's easy. I can take pictures and and sometimes you look at it afterwards and you go, I, actually, I don't need that anymore. It doesn't make sense. So that's part of the curation process is, do I want this? And really what we're asking here is, do I want to do something with this piece of information? Now, sometimes I might just archive that into a commonplace folder, which maybe we'll do a podcast on. Other times I'm just going to delete it because uh, frankly, I'm not interested in it anymore. But usually it's going to go to the next stage. And if it's going to the next stage, then part of that curation process is to tag it. So I add all of the relevant tags that make sense for that piece of information. So it could be gardening, it could be gardening tools, it could be plants, it could be seasons, it could be any other things that are there. Does that make sense? Yes, but it's already sounded like quite a lot of work, Rob. I mean, is it gonna is it gonna pay off? Is it one of these things where you you do the effort at the beginning and you? get a lot out of it at the end because this is an awful lot of work and there's no paper in it so far oh there's there's notebooks there's this stuff yeah it i think it pays off yes but it depends what you're trying to do so part okay. of um a pkms is being able to retrieve information and that curation phase um i mean it sounds like a lot of work but once you've done it over and over again it actually gets pretty quick okay and it depends on which you're capturing, of course. If you're capturing the whole internet, then it's going to take a while. But if you're selective in your capture process, then hopefully it's not going to be too onerous. So we've done the curate. We've decided, do I want this? Yes, no. And we've moved on and we've tagged it to make it retrievable, basically, to make it easier to find. So the next phase is crunching it. And this is the learning bit. This is where we kind of crunch this stuff that we've captured and we've curated so for me, this would be about, therefore, putting it into practice. So, you know, gardening, let's say you found a new way to, I don't know, protect the flowers or the bushes or whatever over the winter, then you're going to go and try it and you're going to see if it works. And that's the crunch bit. This is the task acquisition. Does that make sense so far? Yes. No, absolutely it does. I, what I was thinking of is this feels very much like, actually, if I were to implement this, I would be better off starting with something small rather than all the things in my life. So currently, my drawer is full of all the things in my life. Whereas if, as you suggested, you know, we chose the topic of gardening, if I just chose the veggie gardening stuff in my world, that 
piece alone might allow me to build up the habits and the understanding of how this system worked so that I could then expand it out to other things. I'm thinking of starting small. I mean, is that something you'd recommend or do you feel that you just need to apply this across the board? No, absolutely. Start as small or as large as you wish. And obviously the larger it is, then I guess the chances of you fine-tuning it to make it more personal to you becomes harder. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Start small. So once you've done the crunch part, now that's the idea where you take what you've you've found useful and you now turn it from from just written knowledge or photographs or whatever it is into actual stuff that you just know in yourself. You wouldn't have to look it up again because you'd know. Is that right? Yeah, kind of. And this is where some stationary stuff comes in. So um, I've talked about this on previous podcasts and a friend of ours, Ria, she uh, got <laughs> me a Ted, Ted Baker notebook, which is a really nice, um, oh God, the sizing again, I think it's like an A5 um, <laughs> notebook. In there is essentially my knowledge base. So this is everything to do with my career and my interests, so communication, management, leadership, those kind of things. So when I'm crunching stuff, let's say there's a new way to run a meeting at work, which I've discovered somebody's written a really good article. I've captured it, I've curated it, I've said, this is something I want to try. So I'm going to try it at that point. And this is where I will have a look at all of my other notes in that notebook to do with meetings, facilitation, communication, you name it, all of those things. And crunching is sometimes about looking at stuff that goes against what you already believe. And that's actually a very effective way to learn. And saying, does this resonate? Do I need to change my opinion? Do I need to change my knowledge? Do I need to change the way that I do something? And it's about accommodation and assimilation, basically, yeah. into your sort of brain. But for me, the notebook is where I then physically write out that stuff and I'll scribble around and I'll move things. Um, and for me, this is the, the learning, the deep learning. Do I need to change my view on something? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with holding a very strong opinion about something, but then changing it because new data, new information has come to light. It's like learning. <laughs> That's what happens. It's 100% learning, yeah. And in the notebook, um, you know, we've covered this before. I might do mind maps or flow diagrams or, you know, sometimes tables or all sorts of different things. And for me, this is where I get out of the digital tool. I've captured it, I've curated it, but now I'm going to crunch it by turning off electrics getting very analog so that I can write it out so that I can sort of look at how it plays with all the other stuff that's in my sort of knowledge base, so to speak. But again, writing it down doesn't make it knowledge. I've got to then try it. I've got to sort of put it into action to see whether or not this new way does work. And if it does, great. If it doesn't, then I've learned again from that. Yeah, so absolutely. it's all part of the same process. So then your last one you said was the contribute. Yeah, so I'm I'm a big fan of this, um, and Crunch and Contribute go somewhat together here, but I'm a big fan of if you know something, then you should potentially contribute it back to others. It seems really odd that people gather all of this knowledge and information and then don't share it with people. Yeah. So for me, this is this podcast, this is a contribution back to hopefully our listeners are finding value from this. There's my YouTube channels, there's actually contributing it back into your place of work, for example. So maybe you have learned a brand new way of doing something. Now, when we contribute it back into work, we have to be somewhat careful because that might be where we're actually trying it for the first time. <laughs> so this is partly crunch and partly contribute. And we have to be super careful. And this is where, you know, myself, um, and I don't know whether you feel the same, but when we're working with, for example, consultants that have never tried it before and they're passing it off as this is the way to do something, 
and they've never done it before. And it's yeah. actually all part of the big experiment. So if I'm going to do that, I'm actually going to make it very clear to the client that I've never done this before, but we will learn together how to do this and we'll do it carefully and safely, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think there's a lot to be said for saying, I've read something new. I'd like to try something. I think it'll work really well here. I think it's a really important thing to be able to to be that honest with your clients. I mean... I know people don't, that's not really fashionable a lot of the time, but I actually think that kind of honesty, people want to know you're trying new things, even if they're things you haven't tried before, because this is, this is new, this is cutting edge. Everybody likes to think their problems are unique, don't they? So therefore, new solutions is what people are actually looking for usually. And, you know, it's not nice to see it, of course, but that sort of winging it with confidence and when it all goes wrong, I mean, where's the confidence gone at that point? And it's actually more foolish, I think, to pretend that you know the answer and that this is the way to do something and then for it to fail miserably uh, because there's no sort of learning in that. It's sort of coming across as you were wrong, basically, versus (laughs) versus I think what I like to tell clients is this might not work. And I think that's the key thing. That's where learning happens when we try something. And if it works great, we've learned that that works. But when it doesn't, we've also learned. And that's a key part of the system that needs to come back into your knowledge management system. Good. Yeah, I think that's definitely something I'm going to give a try. Um, I'm going to start small because actually that's quite terrifying for all the things that I've saved in all the world. And you know what I'm like. It's like a new clean notebook. I'll do a new clean version of uh, Evernote and I will just capture one hobbies worth of stuff and see how I get along with that so I'd be really interested to know if other people try that how they get on we perhaps do a little bit of a roundup and uh, yeah a few months time and see how people have got on if they found that it's been useful or not yeah absolutely and you know you don't have to use the digital tools at all I mean you could just use a notebook for this but the key to the digital usage here for me is that everything's retrievable So if I'm working with a client and they've got a particular pattern or scenario that I've seen before, but it was like eight or nine years ago, and frankly, it's dropped out of my, you know, short term memory or long term sometimes, then I can actually search for those things. And it's all in Evernote and I can find it because I've spent the time to do that curation process. And retrieval of information is important. But again, we have to be somewhat careful that we're not just storing a whole load of information and not putting it into practice. Because once we put it into practice, then that fundamentally becomes part of us. It becomes knowledge. And that's probably the most powerful thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know that Evernote have done some kind of team up with, I think it was Moleskine a while ago. So yeah. that you could take photos of your notebooks. I think this is what I was thinking of earlier. You can take photos of your notebooks and upload them into Evernote in a way that, that Evernote can then see them in a meaningful way that you can search on. So I think that best solution they i think it was they were using stickers weren't they so you could associate a certain sticker with a certain content or something it it looked too complicated for me to be honest i just take a picture and and hope for the best but i remember a a colleague of ours someone we used to work with he used one of these uh, digital smart pens didn't he you remember that yeah that was so cool yeah so you could actually just write on paper with a pen which was great but actually it it transmitted what you were writing back into tools like evernote and i don't don't think it worked very well though He's, he's no were all over the place afterwards but there you go <laughs> yeah I think it was it's a really nice idea but I mean at the end of the day if it doesn't store well then you've wasted your time you might as well be writing it in my will it journal yeah. pretty colors and stickers I do stickers Rob you know me that's cool but I think as well with the pen it was so big that you couldn't actually write properly with it it was like one of those oversized pencils wasn't it like, <laughs> see kids playing with I thought that 
was a design choice. I didn't realise that that was a requirement for the... I mean, maybe it was a design choice. Yeah, I don't know. You had to sort of tap the page three times or whatever. I just, you know what, it's too much for me. Um, for me, it's just a straightforward notebook. But in a sense, that's that's the four things. We're going to capture some stuff. Of course, we're trying to learn a new subject or we're just yeah. interested in something. So we're going to capture it. We're then going to curate it to make sure we want it, but then also make sure that it's easy to find again, that it makes sense, that it's logical for our our system and it's a very personal thing. Then we're going to crunch it, which is the learning. This is accommodation and assimilation. This is the learning of a topic so deeply that actually it just becomes knowledge. It's information in action. And then the fourth bit is once we've learned that, then it seems a shame not to then contribute that back to other people, whether that's your friends, your family, or through books or blogs or podcasts or videos or whatever it is that's your forte or in your work, which is really valuable as well. So, yeah, they're the four parts. Bits of analog, bits of digital. And um, hopefully we won't end up with a drawer full of complete garbage at the end of it. I'm really looking forward to giving this a go, actually. And I'd really be excited to hear back from anyone else who gives it a go. Drop us a line, because if we can gather a few stories, I think maybe doing a, a little bit of a review on them would be really nice, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And anyone also get in touch who's managed to... Uh, sort of do what my son was asking which is to program your brain full of all the schoolwork so we'd have to do schooling but that would be helpful too yeah it's an amazing startup we should definitely fund that (laughs) yeah i'm not sure i don't know i think part i don't know i'm torn with that one part of me is like yes of course you'd love to be able to skip huge parts of learning but surely it's more important to find the joy in it i think that's the bit that we're, we're missing um i think the joy of not having to remember facts and figures if i could do all of that Helen, any just before we round out, I know this has been a lot more digital, more process type orientated stuff than stationary. Is there anything happening in your world at the moment that you think our listeners would uh, benefit from regards to stationary and pens and other goodies? You know, you're not going to like this, Rob, (laughs) but I'm so glad you asked. So I have recently um, discovered. So I used to do with my bullet journaling, I would do nice headings for uh, each week, not each day because I'm too lazy. Each week I would do nice headings and it gave me great joy to see the colours. And I got a bit lazy um, recently due to time pressures. And I started to, have you heard of this stuff called washi tape? It's like masking tape, but Mm. pretty colours. So I've started to use this and it's super quick now. And it's just such a joy to have colour when I look down at my notebook. I can't express enough how much joy washi tape is giving me right now. So thank you for asking. That's my contribution. That's awesome. So I think I mentioned on the last podcast that I bought the Uppercase magazine. I posted it over to you. You did. uh, So you received it. I think there is in there actually an article on Bullet Journal, if I remember rightly, um, by the guy that founded it. And it really struck home with me, actually, which was quite funny, because he said it's got to this point where people are afraid to do it because they can't make it look like other people. (laughs) And I was like, that's me. It's got to be. Maybe I need to give it another go. We'll, you need, we'll you need to step away from the people who've got nothing better to do than make colouring because that's actually fine. But it's not. that's not the process. The process is supposed to be to make it easy for you to remember what you've done and what you've got to do. But yeah. I won't get into all of that now. I did get, I just need to tell everybody, I did get this uppercase magazine from Rob who forwarded it on to me, bless him. And it came through the letterbox wrapped in uh, Christmas or birthday wrapping paper. So again, such joy to have colour coming through your letterbox. You don't realise anything yeah. that comes through your letterbox usually is junk mail. So having this light, really nice, bright star coloured, uh, all different stars, it was just so nice. So Rob, thank you. The magazine and the wrapping were just a joy. 
Yeah, you're welcome. I was searching high and low for some like brown wrapping paper. I just thought, you know what, forget it. Birthday paper. <laughs> Let's it do it. Beautiful. I loved it. It was really, really made me really happy, ridiculously so. So thank you for both those. That's all right. You're welcome. It's a good magazine. Very, very good magazine. Really enjoyed that. Okay. We just want to say huge thank you to everyone who's listening and downloading the podcast. Uh, it really does uh, make us feel quite humble and joyful, I guess. Uh, yeah. But people are actually enjoying this, which <laughs> is which is. It's great. And um, so please do hit that like button, subscribe if you haven't already to the podcast. And please let us know whether you're enjoying these, whether you want us to talk about anything else. And um, we have a wealth of experience in being stationary freaks, which we're, we're happy to just ramble on if that's what people like. So huge thank you. And we look forward to speaking to you in the next podcast. Thanks, Helen. Thank you, Rob. Bye. Bye-bye.